0: Good to be here, appreciate all the songs that were lifted in praise and all that has taken place so far. If you would, take your Bibles, let's turn together for the text for this morning's message. The text will be found in Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13. Let's stand together as we read it. Romans chapter 13, we'll be reading verse 11 down through verse 14, 11 through 14. Finishing out this chapter finishing out this kind of section we've been studying in Romans chapter 13 verse 11 Paul writing here to the church at Rome says this and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Let's pray. Father, I ask Your guidance in this time together, and that You would remove distractions, remove the things that are weighing on us. Open our eyes, open our ears, help us to have a tent of hearts this morning and do the work in us that only you can do. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, my prayer is for this morning that the message comes out clear because my body is so very weary. I'm tired, I feel stretched, but my spirit is willing. And I'm praying the Holy Spirit will use this as He sees fit. Have your Bibles handy this morning because we're going to be turning to quite a few verses and I want the Word to really speak to us on this. This is a really vital subject. The title for this morning's message is Wake Up. Not just because we're tired, not just because we might have had a late night last night, but we need to wake up. That's one thing we need to get straight. We've got to be spiritually alert in the days we live on. We've got to have our heads on straight. And quite often we don't. We're confused or we're distracted, or we've got our, our focus on other areas. And there is so much to distract us, right? There's so much to take our focus off of the things we're supposed to be about, things that some things have always been there that distract us, those little bright and shiny things of the world that we go chasing after, like a cat with a laser. We're always trying to get? We never get it. Never have enough. You're never gonna reach that point where, yep, okay, my bank account is good. I don't need to earn any more money, or I have enough stuff. It's never enough. In fact, having not we been studying that in the mornings? It's chasing after the wind, it's vanity. Some things have always like that have always been there to take our focus off. Some things are they have a different feel, or maybe they're rather new to some of us, the controversies and the arguments, and it's easy to get up in arms and defensive about those things. And beloved, make no mistake, there, should, there are some things we should be up in arms about and be getting involved about, especially in the day we live in. But we have a tendency to get too focused on surface issues rather than the deep, deeper issues, namely the commission that we have from our Lord to go make disciples. There's a lot to distract us from that. There's a lot to get our senses dulled and put us to spiritual sleep. So perhaps we need to wake up. I want to talk a bit about this morning, that this morning. So let's dig in in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. He starts out with saying, and that. And what? What? What's going on? What's he talking about? Because of this. He's talking about the previous verses and loving our neighbors. Remember verse 10, Loveth, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Verse 9 quotes, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He's talking about how we ought to really love those around us. We talked about that last week. Like really, like not just in, in word. It, we have. It's really easy to do that, to say you love somebody but not do a thing for them. Paul says, because of that, we do this because we know it's time. The idea is we ought to love our neighbors more. We ought to be about some of these things uh, we're going to talk about because we understand what is going on. Why do we show love to those around us? Why do we share the gospel? Because we know heaven's coming. We know eternity is real. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And each day that that ticks by in our lives and in the lives of others, we are one step closer to that eternity. That's why we ought to love people. That's why we ought to really, truly show them love. The nearer that gets, the more fervent our love ought to grow. Their time is drawing short. You understand that? There are people in your lives who don't know Jesus and their time is running out. You cannot pray for them. You cannot pray them into heaven after they die. You cannot do anything for them after they die. The relationship that they have with Jesus Christ when they pass from this life is the relationship they will have with Him for eternity, whether that's as Lord, and Savior, or whether that's as Judge. So because of that, our love ought to grow for them. Do we love them enough to tell them? We do this because we know the time is coming. I'm reminded of another passage because there's another aspect that comes into us. So keep your finger in Romans because we're going to be bouncing to other passages and coming back here. But go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We ought to love people around us because we know the time. Well, you know what? We ought to love each other too. Because the time is drawing short. In fact... The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10 and verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. There's a lot of people who have wavered. They've let go their profession. They once held it so close and now they've let it go. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that it promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, Not forsaking forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You understand what he's saying there? We don't forsake what we have here. We don't walk out on it. We don't turn our backs on it. In fact, as the day gets closer, that day of His coming, we count it as more and more precious, right? We provoke we encourage one another to, to love, to good works, so much more as ye see the day approaching. Our heart ought to be more and more moved toward love and good works, toward fellowship and communion with God's people, because, beloved, there's coming a day when that is all we will have is each other. <laughs> I heard it put this way. I guess it makes some sense. If you don't like coming to church, how are you going to spend eternity with these people? <laughs> because that's the case. And actually, as we see that day coming, more and more doesn't, shouldn't it grow more and more dear to our heart? We know what is going on. Back to Romans. He says, "We do this because we know the time. And do this or because of this and that. Knowing the time. Knowing the time. It's not just talking about some knowledge. It's talking about perception. Do we perceive what is going on? As you look on society, as you hear all of the things that are going on, do we perceive what's truly going on? Beloved, I believe this is far more than some political position or power grab or something that's going on. I think there's something far deeper. Some things are being moved, agendas are being moved, which is moving us closer and closer to the end of times. We already know what Ephesians chapter 6 says. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and high places, right? There's There's a more sinister realm, a demonic realm to what is going on. And that's the battle we face. Do you perceive that? Do I perceive that? And knowing that as that advances, we get closer and closer to the day when He returns. And at the same time knowing that that will happen according to the will of God too. It will come to pass as we have been told in the book of Revelation, and we ought to perceive that and act accordingly, do we? Because we can be pretty perceptive about some things. Maybe you're perceptive about the stock market, or maybe you're perceptive about the political realm, or sports, or finances. We can be perceptive in many different areas. We can see some things coming and maybe make some adjustments. Some people are able to do that, but what about what really matters? What about the times that we're in? Keep your finger here in Romans, back to uh, go over to uh, Matthew chapter 16, something Jesus says here and kind of strikes at my heart. Matthew chapter 16, he's talking to Pharisees and they're trying to catch him. There's something he says here, Matthew 16 and verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempted him, desiring that he would show them a sign from heaven. Notice what he answers. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? We can discern a lot of things. We can maybe anticipate the way laws are going to go or maybe certain things are going to go. We could be really sharp and tuned in on those things, but can we miss spiritual things? I think we can sometimes. And Paul says, hey, you guys need to be perceiving the times. You need to see what's going on. And beloved, the signs are all around us. The signs are all around us. And it may be that the end of time is not far. You understand, and, and I hope you count it as an as a immense blessing. We may see the book of Revelation come to pass in our lifetime. We may be the generation that is privileged enough to see that happen. Or maybe not. Maybe it's still some years off. I don't know, but I do know this. The signs are, are, are showing that His coming is nearer and nearer with each day that passes. We are certainly in the last days. Do you see that and is your heart prepared for that? We have goals and we live towards goals and maybe it's retirement or maybe it's I want to save up enough to buy this or I want to have this kind of job and those things are not wrong but sometimes that becomes all that we perceive and all of our mind is wrapped around those things. Are we seeing the signs of the times and are we preparing our lives for that? You understand the time is now, not coming, the time is now that we ought to take the stands that our forefathers had. To stand up for the truth, even if that is in the face of the rulers of the land, and say, no, this is what the truth is. This is what the Bible says. And we will not bend on that. Or are we even perceiving that the time is now to do that? We may begin to face persecution like we have not known in our lifetimes, are we able to stand for the truth no matter what may come? Because our minds are perceiving. Is our our mind perceptive that if His coming is nearer and nearer with each day that passes, am I preparing then to meet my Savior? Vacation comes, you start prepping in a couple weeks, right? Right? you start getting the food you need, you start packing. Hopefully it's not the night before, but you try to start preparing, you make your reservations, things are coming, you're preparing pretty pretty far in advance for what's going to come. Do we do that? Are we doing that right now for the day when we meet Jesus because that day is coming. You know that, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I know we're bouncing around a few places, but Rather than just quote these, I want you to see them in your own Bibles there. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. Paul says this, Wherefore we labor, this is why we labor, this is what we are working for, that whether present or absent we may be accepted in Him. And he's, he's talking about um, the new glorified body and to be Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and to be present here is to not be with him. He says, hey, regardless, I'm working to be accepted of him. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. All of us will appear before him and have to answer. Think about that. Think about that. You're going to stand before the king of kings. And he's going to ask you a a question and say, what did you do with what I told you? Well, you know, I didn't read it. Why? You're not going to have an answer. Well, because it was boring. Flat out, number one reason. Let's be honest. You start reading in... some portions of Scripture you get bored and you give up and you walk away. We have to answer for God, to God for those things. Or I didn't have time. I would have rather watched TV or Facebook or fill in the blank. I would have rather than blah, than read your word. I don't think you want to answer God that way. You know, there's, that day is coming. What's that going to look like when you stand before Him and answer for the things you've done? Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's some things on that day that flat out will not matter. That may be really, really important to you and you think are important right now. On that day, they will have zero importance. And if our life is full of those, and based on those things, we will come up short. But if we are laboring, working, to prioritize our lives right, though, so that, what does Paul says that we may be accepted of Him, then we'll be fine. The problem is we're not perceptive enough to get that straight now. Hence, verse 11. Notice what Paul says. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. This is not some... Something we're going to sit there and Jesus is going to say, Oh, it's okay. You're so good. You didn't do a thing I asked you, but it's okay. No. He has come as the Lamb. We will stand before Him as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we labor now to be accepted of Him. Maybe it's time we perceive that. Maybe it's time we wake up. Maybe it's time we wake up back to Romans chapter 13. And that, knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep. Literally, to arouse from someone from sleep, to shake it off, to come to your senses. God is saying it's high time, like it's already time. The time has passed. You're already late. You should have already happened. Wake up! That's the call to the church. Wake up. It's high time. It's the time has passed. Some people find it hard to wake up and some people find it easy to wake up. I, I don't know what kind of person you are. Sometimes, maybe you're the kind of person, your alarm goes off, you're up like a Pop-Tart, no problem. Hit the, hit the ground running, let's boogie, let's go. Some people are not. <laughs> some people hit snooze and then snooze again, and <laughs> snooze again, and again and again maybe. 10 more times, right? Some people are like that. They can get up really easy and they can be about their day and some people it's not that easy. I so want to be like the first person. (laughs) I like getting up in the mornings. I like being up in the mornings. I guess it depends on what's going on. I I get up pretty easy with my alarm, but I really want to be like that. If my alarm, I, I only have to set it once and I could get up and bing, here we go. Yay, the day's here! But God gave me a body that says, "Nope, that's not going to happen." <laughs> it's just, just not. It's not because I'm lazy. It's just, just won't do it, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe it has, to some, has something to do with the past twenty years of my working life. I got four to five hours of sleep a night, and I'm just tired and old now. <laughs> it just doesn't. Happen the way it used to. I don't know. But you you understand this, this concept. And sometimes it feels really good to sleep, right? And it usually feels the best on a Sunday morning when you have to get up and go to church. That's the devil. That's him trying to keep us from, from getting up and going to church. But you know what it's like, right? Sometimes it feels really good to sleep. I think that's a good illustration because... It can feel good to our flesh to kind of exist in this sleepy state. And there's a lot of God's children that are sleepwalking. They've been lulled into this spiritual sleep. They just kind of exist. The world sang them a lullaby about wealth and health or just straight up apathy, which means a lack of feeling. They just don't give a rip. They're just going to do what they want. The world sang them a lullaby and they got kind of drowsy and you just drift along. You've seen the cartoons where food smells really good and you can see it in the air and then the cartoon character catches it and they drift along, like floating through the air as they follow the sound of food, uh, smell of food. A lot of Christians doing that with the world. Just drifting along, sleepy. What does God say? Hey, wake up. Shake it off. Look around. Understand what is going on. The time is passing and you have work to do. What are you doing sleeping on the job? It's high time to awake out of sleep. Why? For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Our salvation is near and he's not talking about salvation from hell. No, he's talking about the full and final deliverance when it's all done and it's all uh, um, over and we finally stand before Christ and all of it is redeemed back to him. He says that is nearer now than when we first believed. And that's the literal truth, right? Right. His coming is drawing nearer and nearer with each day that passes. You know all these days we spend wasting, chasing foolish things? Those are days gone by that brings us ever closer to His return. And when He comes, will He find us busy with the work of winning souls? Busy with the work of building His church? Or will He find us asleep like a thief? So that the sky splits. He comes and we say, whoa, what happened? So, will be a lot of people like that. Or how about this aspect, which illustrates it pretty good. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking naps and sleeping in every once in a while. <laughs> I saw a shirt somewhere. It said something, uh, something along the lines of, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus, take a nap, or something like that, you know? And some people can get the wrong idea that it's wrong to rest. No, the Bible actually tells us we have, we, we have to. Take a day in the week to rest. That's what the Sabbath day is all about, where you literally spend time resting your body. That's good and healthy. What we're talking about is spiritual sleep, the a dulling of our perception to where we're not even thinking on a spiritual level. We just kind of exist. Luke chapter twelve. Here's another aspect of what we're talking about. Luke chapter twelve and verse sixteen. He spake a parable unto them, Jesus speaking here, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And He thought within Himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow My fruits. And He said, This I will do. I will pull down My barns and build greater. And there I will bestow all My fruits and goods. And I will say to My soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. By the way, that is the mode of operation for the world and the mode of operation for most professing Christians. Get, get, build bigger, get, get, so I can just lay back and chill. God said to him, verse 20, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich for God. You know what? Not only is our salvation nearer, but I don't know when the Lord says my life is up and he calls me home. Will I be ready for that? This guy thought he had a pretty good plan, right? And God says, uh-uh, your soul will be required of you tonight. Is that? Am I preparing and perceptive of living my life for that? Perhaps it's time to wake up. Back to Romans chapter 13. It says, Knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. The night is spent. Paul is likening the days we spend on this earth and the time we're, we are waiting for His coming like the night. He says these, these dark days are almost over and the day of His return is coming. I don't know if it was Billy Sunday or somebody else. <clears throat> I remember reading a message or something he preached. And Forgive me if I'm misquoting. But he used this line over and over. Sunday's coming. So he, he used the example of the disciples. When Jesus was crucified, and when He was put into the tomb how they would have felt those, those few days in between uh, um, His crucifixion and Sunday morning resurrection. And they would have been downcast and they would have been depressed and, and hopeless. And He said, hold on, Sunday's coming, right? The resurrection's coming. And He, uses, he, he, he used the, the example of sometimes we go through hard times, but God's going to bring us through. Hold on, Sunday's coming. And one that stuck in my mind is that the world might be pretty dark right now, and we might be facing some some evil and things going on in society like we've never faced before. But hold on, Sunday's coming. Christ is coming back when He will make everything right. And what we need to do is realize the night is almost gone. The dark days are almost over. His return is coming. Do we realize that? The day is at hand. Listen, if the day was at at hand 2,000 years ago when Paul writes this, it's certainly much more closer now, isn't it? The day is at hand. And by the way, that might hit you a couple different ways. Jesus is coming. Okay, that's a fact. He's coming back. He's going to rule a king on this earth for a thousand years. And then the eternal age will begin and we'll be with him forever. And that will either hit you a couple different ways. And let me be quite frank and quite honest. One reaction, which is really sad. And there's a whole lot of carnal Christians that have that, is like, oh, man. Because heaven sounds boring to them. And they want the stuff here more than an eternity with Jesus Christ. That is spiritual sleep. That is dulled senses to want the filth of this world, though it may shine and shimmer, more than the eternal riches in heaven, namely the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Or you hear it and it sounds like the best news ever because we understand everything's going to be so much better on a scale that we cannot even imagine. And so we see, hey, I've got just a short time to reach out to those around that I want to be with me here in heaven forever with Jesus. We need to be perceptive. We need to wake up. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. It's time we stop acting like the world. And man, that's such an easy trap to get caught in and I d- I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's the times that we live in. Jesus said the love of many would wax cold, right? As it comes nearer to his coming. He said men's hearts would be hard and we'd be living dangerous times, perilous times as Paul says in in the book of Timothy. And I don't know if it's just that, but it seems to to be not only professing Christians, but God's people that just do a lot of things Christians shouldn't do and no one seems to bat an eye. We shouldn't act like the world and that seems like it's okay now. Too many that profess to know Christ cannot, you cannot tell the difference at times between them and someone who does not know Him at all. No, we're supposed to be lights in the darkness, aren't we? We're supposed to be shining as lights in a crooked and perverse generation and we're supposed to be salt, we're supposed to be light, we're supposed to be different and people seeing God in us. The problem is too many get their senses dulled spiritually and they just do whatever they want and they don't care. Stamp the name of Christ on it and we think we're good. No. Cast... Off, Literally, throw them away like a hot potato. Get away from me. I don't want this. I don't want this in my life. That thought comes into your mind. Throw it away. You find yourself doing things you shouldn't. Repent and say, Lord, get me away from that. I don't want to do that anymore. Cast off the works of darkness. Why? The night is far spent. The day is at hand. It's time to wake up. And replace those instead with the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, replace those instead with the armor of light. I don't know if you write in your Bible, I would write here in the margin, Ephesians chapter 6. In the armor of God, you remember that, right? The helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, all these, these attributes that are supposed to be in us. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what God's talking about. Put those things in your life rather than the works of darkness. Verse 13, he says, Now let's cast these off and let us walk honestly as in the day. Walking or living honestly? Walking is living. You see that in the Scripture. We see it it says walk this way or um, different phrases it might use, especially in the book of Ephesians. There's the seven walks of Ephesians. It's talking about living. And he says, we ought to live honestly. Now, here is where you can peel back the, the English a little bit and get back into the Greek, and there's actually a beautiful picture here. This word honestly, it comes from a root word that means elegant, shapely and graceful. Live beautifully. Live elegantly. Turn to the book of Ephesians. I want you to notice two verses that uses. Language like this. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. Ephesians 5 and verse 3 says this, But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, as is becoming or beautiful to saints. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, Uh, Verse 9, exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, listen now, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. That they may adorn the doctrine of God, what is becoming of saints, living beautifully. We are to live in a way that the gospel is made beautiful. People will see us and see a changed life. We'll see someone who's in love with Jesus. We'll see someone who truly loves their neighbors and is living their life to please God. People can see that when that is truly, genuinely in our hearts. Even though we may mess up, they still see that if it is honestly, genuinely in our hearts. The Gospel, the Bible is all made elegant because they see it lived out. People should not be turned off by our life. To the gospel. And nothing will do that faster than a fake. There's no fake it till you make it with the Bible. Or in the church or with God. That doesn't work. It doesn't ever work. People see right through it. The only person you're fooling is yourself. God is never impressed with that. I still, man, the thing that keeps flashing in my mind when we talk about these things is the publican and the Pharisee. Oh, Lord, thank you. I'm so good. Look at all I do. God does not even acknowledge him. He says, look, this guy was justified. The publican, the tax collector, the sinner that beat on his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Trying to make the gospel look beautiful when a heart isn't in the right place or trying to... to, uh, uh, Go through this life spiritually asleep is as foolish as somebody painting eyeballs on their eyelids so they can sleep at work. It doesn't work. You call yourself a servant of God. Never crack open the Bible. Never pray. Never talk to anybody else. You think God's impressing? No, He's saying, "Wake up! What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing?" The night is almost spent. The day is at hand. Wake up. No, we ought to live as in the day so people can look in our lives and see Him. In the daytime, there's nothing to hide, right? We ought to live our lives in a way that says, here, here I am. There's nothing to hide. Even my failures. You understand that, right? Nobody should claim to be perfect because nobody is. I'm not perfect, I'm forgiven. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God, still in need of His grace and mercy. I want that to be projected. Not that I'm using that as an excuse to sin, but no, when I, when I do slip up, I say, look, man, the Lord forgives me, and the Lord can forgive you. If He picks me back up and He keeps bringing me back by His grace, makes me want to be better for Him. It makes me want to live better for Him. We ought to be honest when we fail, quick to repent by God's grace, doing better, not living some hypocritical life, but a real one. So it's time to wake up, cast off those works. You notice this list in verse 13, rioting, drunkenness, chambering, wantonness, all things like that. Usually things that are done in the night, which... The world partakes in regularly because they are in spiritual night. They're in spiritual darkness. We shouldn't be surprised to see some of these things in the world. They need the light of the glorious gospel of Christ to be shown in their hearts by God. And are we not ambassadors for Christ? Second Corinthians tells us that. In fact, Paul says, we pray you in Christ's stead or standing in His place, be reconciled to God. We go out into the night with the light of God, pleading that they be reconciled. You can't do that if you're a sleepy Joe Christian. I'm just saying. Some people are asking about the gospel. It looks like I'm watching a press conference. What do you believe about the Bible? Well, I, I think and I I, didn't. No, 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 no. What does the Bible say? A lot of God's people sound like a lot of babble when they talk about the Bible. It's all about what they think or what somebody else said and it makes no sense. People that can't hardly give the gospel to somebody else and their life shows no support of what they say. Enough of that. Let's wake up. Let's wake up. Verse 14, we'll be finished. It says what? Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put Him on. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Put on Jesus. Clothe yourself with Jesus. Here's how we do that. How about you start each day by asking Jesus to help you be more like Him. Lord, help me to show you today. Guide my speech. Guide my minds. Help me. Help me to show you and bathe your mind in God's Word. You ever, you ever experience this? You, you see one thing on social media or maybe one thing in the news or maybe one text. I don't know, whatever it is. And that just turns the day to junk. It ruins the whole day, right? Because that's stuck in your mind. How about you start with this? Bathe your mind in the Word of God. Let it wash over you. Let it cleanse you. That's what it says. We are cleansed with the water of the Word. That's what the Bible talks about. We're cleansed with the washing of the water of the Word. Let it wash all those things from your mind. And I mean the Bible, okay? Let me me take a step back. Read the Bible, not a book about the Bible, or what somebody says about the Bible. Read the Bible. You might actually just find what Jesus says. You might find what God has to say, not somebody else telling you what they think He said He said. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Let it wash over your mind. It will change you. It will change you. It will help you to live. It will help you to wake up. You ever do that in the morning? Put uh, water on your face, kind of wake up? I do that every morning. I usually take a shower at night, so in the morning I I wash my face, and that is one of the things that kind of brings me awake. Do that with your mind with the Bible with prayer. When the temptations come, when the distractions come, make no provision. Don't give an inch. No, dig in. Dig into the Word. Dig in and say, no, I'm not going to allow that. When you find yourself nodding off spiritually, wake up. Everybody go. Anybody drive and find yourself nodding off? So it's like you try to keep one eye open or two half-eyes. Two half eyes make a whole eye, right? <laughs> Before you know it, your head's so far back. T- t- try. And t- I can make it. I can do it. We'll be okay. Anybody ever wake up at home after you left work? Whoa! How did I get here? This is kind of. I've done that way too many times. Pull on the driveway. Whoa! Thank you, Lord. I don't know how that happened. Probably because you don't want to pull off for the five minutes it would take to walk around, wake up a little bit and go. Listen, you may try to do that driving home. You cannot do that spiritually. Maybe what you need to do is put the brakes on everything, stop, put some things on hold, and maybe spend some time walking around with God saying, help me wake up. Help revive my heart. Revive my spirit because I'm not in the right place I need to be and Lord wake me up a little bit. Reorder some things and when sin pops up make no provision. We were going to go to the book of Colossians. We're going to run out of time, but uh, Paul writing to the church at Colossae there says, "Mortify, kill some things in your members when they when they come up. Some things in your body, kill sin when it pops up in your body. Put it to death, make no provision." Kill the sin that would put you to sleep. Get that poison out. Kill the thoughts that run contrary to Scripture. Let me just say this. Satan is very, very good at his job. He convinced Eve to follow him. He can convince you of just about anything, and usually he does it in the name of God. Is that not what happened in the garden? Ah, He's not going to die. You're fine. In fact, does not 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 11 say he appears to be a minister of light? He's good at his job. Wake up, put the head on the snake through the word of God, put on Christ, put on the new man, and live discerning of the times. So that we stay sharp and alert. There are those in our lives who are dead spiritually. You know that. You know the people. You come in contact with there are people in our lives who are dead spiritually. Those, there are those who are on the brink of falling away and falling asleep, as it were, and facing destruction. What are we going to do? Are we going to give the life-saving gospel? Will we do our best to keep them from falling? Or are we too sleepy? Where we hear about something, maybe open our eyes and say, oh, that stinks, and go back to sleep. Turn with me here. We'll finish up here. Revelation chapter 3. I want you to see a tragedy. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 1. Jesus writing here, speaking here. Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Verse 2, Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is a letter of rebuke and We're not going to dig into all the specifics, but notice how he starts. You have a name that you're alive, but you're not. You're dead. In fact, you need to strengthen some things that remain. You need to repent of the path you're going down and be brought back to life. Well, how does that happen? That happens one of two ways. A church that will hold the truth and become inactive, that will go to spiritual sleep, much like Ephesus, how they lost their first love. Or it could be one that might look active, but has let the truth go a long time ago. And they're just a bunch of dead people walking around. Either way, I don't want to be one of those. You understand? You understand? I don't want to be this church that has a name that we are alive but we are dead, just full of a bunch of sleepy, spiritual sleepy people. No, I want to be one that is alive and vibrant. I believe we are and we need to stay on that track, that we are perceptive and doing what the Lord has has for us to do and doing the best we can because we know the days are coming when we will see Him. We need to wake up. You ever get a wake-up call at a hotel? I don't even know if they still do that, but... You ever had that where they call you, excuse me, sir, it's time to wake up. Worst call of the day, probably for some people, but you ever get a wake up call like that? I think God is giving us one here in the text for sure, but I think we just had a massive one, didn't we? The whole pandemic business has been a massive wake up call that made some things clear, didn't it? Do you remember how precious church attendance was when we couldn't meet? And how much we wanted to be here and sing together and see each other. How much we wanted that. And how sweet it was when we got back together, right? Or has that slipped now? And it's just blah. We'll see. Ah, it's church. We'll see if I go. You fell back asleep, didn't you? remember how precious life was when people around us were dying and getting sick and how we wanted to live each day to its fullest and we begin to think about our relationships maybe with family members or friends that we haven't seen in a while and those all of a sudden became very precious to us. Has that slipped now? And now we just, yeah, whatever. I'll see him when I see them. Rather than it burning in our hearts, they, they need to know Jesus. I need to tell them about the gospel. Because life is so short. It's really easy to, sleep, to slip back into a sleepy existence of just going day to day, spiritually slumbering and dull without our senses. Let's not do that. Let's wake up. His return is drawing near and people are passing into eternity all around us. And beloved, we've got a big opportunity, don't we? I believe all of us are right here, right now for a reason. Called to be a church that is a lighthouse, a church that is a sounding board for this community right here with such an opportunity. Listen, I believe the churches in California are like God's Navy SEALs right now. We've got a calling. We are equipped to handle that calling. we just got to wake up and Go. Just gotta wake up and go. Perhaps it's, time to, perhaps it's time to wake up, make some changes. You know, some of these things I'm talking about might be a little hard for a flesh. Hard for the flesh. Some people are really cranky when they wake up. Especially at first. Don't talk to me. Don't bother me. Hold. <laughs> hey man, our flesh can be like that. They're gonna complain and gripe. Read the Bible. I don't, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to take time to pray. I want to do this. I want to do that. Your flesh is going to gripe. Your flesh is going to complain. Make no provision for that. Stop that in its tracks. Put on Christ because it's high time we wake up. It's high time to awake out of sleep. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us all in our own lives uh, to see the truth that is here for For us, I pray for myself first that you would help me, Lord, to wake up about some things. To see the need around me, uh, that I might be perceptive in that. I might have a heart like yours to the world around me. And my relationship with you, that I would serve you in spirit and truth. But I would also go out to make disciples as you have commanded me, Lord. I pray that for all of this church. I pray that for all of your churches. There's many things to distract us. There's many things to draw us off track, Lord. Help us to tune that out, to stay sharp and alert as we seek to serve You. Lord, use these words that I've spoken as You see fit and lead as only You can. I ask this in the name of Jesus.